WFJA 105.5, Sanford Pinehurst, Southern Pines. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome from the Chiefs East, Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, coming at you from Sanford, North Carolina, live in Technicolor on WFJA 105.5 FM. What a week of football. Yeah, been a good week. Um, ACC fans, not such a good week for the ACC. <clears throat> I'm not talking anymore Carolina football anymore. Um, because you I, probably should. I probably should not be allowed as I said, you know, North Carolina is going to get past Wake Forest. I told you that game was a. I had people accuse me of calling Wake Forest everything from a non-football team to a cupcake to I don't know what else. But, yeah, Wake Forest able to get past North Carolina, even though North Carolina should still have one play. They should make them come back Wednesday night and give North Carolina a chance to Hail Mary as they got hosed out of one second left on the clock. But whatever. Wake Forest with the big win. I think Uh, Wake Forest is a lot better than people think. Well, somebody else in the ACC better be better than everybody thinks, or it's going to be a rough year for the ACC. Clemson out there, out front, moving. Although Trevor Lawrence now, five interceptions in three weeks. He only had four all last season. Hmm. What do you make of that? Maybe some tape on him. I don't know. I don't know if he's got some tendencies. You know, I, that the team is so good that they can overcome those types of interceptions. Maybe not against an Alabama or something. So well, you might as well get them out of your system. The upside is they've got several months before they see Alabama or anybody else. Um, it, this, this schedule for Clemson the rest of the way. I, I just don't see who's going to challenge in any way, shape, or form. Well, Syracuse is one of the the watch-out games, so they've already gotten past that one in the Carrier Dome. See, the problem with Syracuse is Syracuse has been a watch-out game the last couple of years, and at some point, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, we're not looking past Syracuse. We know if we if we stub our toe, Syracuse will be there to, you know, hammer us. 612 yards offense this weekend against Syracuse. Clemson put it up. Did, did you hear what I just said? Yeah. 612 yards of offense. Jeez. I mean, I don't know what Clemson's supposed to do. You know, you, you can hear the the fine bombs out there going, oh, well, that's just such a weak conference. I mean, what do you, what can you do? You can only play the games that you have scheduled. You know, I mean, as long as Clemson's – nobody's complaining when Alabama's ripping through their – whoever they play, their yeah, cupcake. but there's always going to be somebody in the SEC. And whether it's Georgia – or Auburn in any particular year, or when Florida's playing well, at least there's a road, uh, a speed bump. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like... Are we really supposed to pretend that Florida State's any good this year? No, I don't think so. But does anybody say when Gonzaga makes it to the national championship game that do they ever point to their schedule during the regular season? All the time. I never hear that. All the time. And, you know, it's a different animal when you're talking about you know, college basketball because of the the way things are set up. But this this Clemson squad, man, I, I you know college football, it's indisputable that this has become a regional sport. 
And the Southeast is so dominant. You got that powerhouse in South Carolina there in Clemson, Alabama, and they're just playing on a different plane than the rest of the country. Even the Oklahomas of the world and the Ohio States of the world, you know, can they get lucky one year and and fall into a national championship? Maybe. But really, we're just kind of watching these two teams living in their own world. It's kind of it's kind of boring, to be perfectly honest. I don't know. I think you're going to see some Georgia action towards the end of the year. Don't uh, don't we always feel like we're going to see some Georgia action at the end of the year? And and how many national championships Georgia won during this BCS era? Yeah, it's the Maine. Era. Yeah, way to be negative, Chris. I'm just I'm just saying, man. It's been a brutal weekend. Bengals went down big to the 49ers. That ruined my weekend. You are kind of ho- <laughs> you're ho hum. You're not your usual jovial self. This no, it doesn't like help can... that I woke up like 20 minutes ago either. But I do have to say, and and I, without Trent or Robert here to keep us in control, you know we have problems today. We're going to be all over the map. Okay, that's fine. And I apologize in advance. Well, I, you... This has got to be like the hardest thing you do during a week when you have just me here trying to like figure out and prognosticate as to where I'm going to wind up and I don't have any idea but I need to start by saying I have a little ter- terrier at the house mm-hmm. you know Missy Missy's Missy's oh, yeah. about 16 years old I've fed Missy sushi a couple hey, of times Missy has eaten sushi out of your hands she's eaten everything from everybody anytime anybody comes to the house they're like well, what does she eat well anything <laughs> literally so this dog has not lived a healthy life. She's she's not one for, you know, taking care of her body. Right. And it shows. She's she's been overweight, probably double what her maximum or you know, her optimal body weight is. You can tell she's been burning it at both ends. She has, but 16 for a dog. Yeah, that's know, old, that's man. Really good. Yeah. That's old. What is that? 102 in dog years? Something, Something. like that. I don't know. I'm not doing the math. Um actually, I think it's 96 in dog years. Is it six or seven years for a dog year? Seven. Seven? Oh, well, then it's uh, 102, I think. So she's old, and she's still getting around. Everything is good. But on occasion, she'll have a bad day. Mm. And when I wake up in the morning, normally, she's ready to go. She's ready to go out. She's ready to eat her breakfast. She's on a routine. And for the most part, when I wake up, she's ready to rock and roll. Now, occasionally when she has a bad day, she's slow to get up. And when she has a really bad day, she doesn't move. Hmm. And a dog this age, my thoughts are always, "Uh uh-oh, is this the morning I woke up and my dog is done? Is it because, is she a Bengals fan? No, no. check this out, though. You got to follow me here. Okay. So I, I check on her, and sometimes I even have to walk over and, like, nudge her. And then she snaps to... And sometimes she doesn't, you know, come bouncing out of her bed, but she'll, you know, make a move, and I know everything is right with the world. And I can't help but think that in this era of these old quarterbacks, that there's a correlation between my situation with Missy thinking this may be it, and the fan bases in certain cities where their quarterback is long in the tooth. Ben Roethlisberger has put Pittsburgh Steelers fans through this a million times. The guy's been around right. forever. He's got two Super Bowl rings. He's, you know, put up 
Hall of Fame stats. There is no disputing that Ben Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, so when you look at a guy like Roethlisberger, we said, and when I say we, me, but you guys agreed two years ago that Roethlisberger's time in the NFL was coming to a close, and that's not any kind of genius statement because he just keeps getting older. But given everything that's gone on with Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, had to take a lot out of this guy. Mm -hmm. And when Antonio Brown left, the common wisdom was, well, yeah, but, you know, the Steelers just sort of plug people in and they continue to roll. But at some point, you've got to know that the cupboard is going to be bare. Right. And I think we're there with the Steelers. I think that's finally run its course. They ran Lev Bell out of town and they're like, ah, bump you, Lev. We've got James Conner. We'll just plug him in and let him run for 1,400 yards a year. Oh, Antonio Brown, you're out of here. We'll just plug in Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju's realizing what it is to be double-teamed right now. Yeah. And Roethlisberger, for all of his warts, at 37 years old, has seen it and done it all in the NFL. I think the thing for this older, I don't want to take you off track of your story here, but... The thing is, I think he didn't he hit his elbow on a helmet, and that's how he got his injury. Or I'm, I'm misunderstanding that because no, you're thinking you're you're getting your your old quarterback injuries mixed up. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, Drew Brees banged his thumb. Well, I saw that. He's not going to be doing any hitchhiking anytime soon. He's not. And the alert came across this morning that the Saints do expect him to miss time. Like I think up to eight weeks. Yeah, and that's the next thing is well, that with Drew Brees. With these two quarterbacks sustaining injuries, is this the day that those fans woke up and their dog wasn't ready to go out and eat and get food like it had been for all of those years? And I'm afraid that at the advanced ages these quarterbacks are running around, Roethlisberger's 37 years old. He's thrown for nearly 60,000 yards. Like I said, two, two Super Bowl rings, although the first of those rings ought to have an asterisk by it. Because at the time, I'm not sure if the record still stands now or not, at the time, he put up the worst performance statistically by a Super Bowl-winning quarterback in history. But rode Jerome Bettis and an awesome defense to a a Super Bowl. And then comes back years later and beats Arizona in a game. People have forgotten. Remember the San Antonio Holmes catch in the end zone that was mm-hmm. reviewed, and it was oh, yeah. you know that was the play of the game. That was not the play of the game. The play of the game was the last play of the first half, where Arizona was already on top, and we're down goal to go, and James Harrison makes an interception, and then one of the epic runbacks of all time, and it's a fourteen point swing, and it changed the momentum, changed the game. Pittsburgh's able to score late, win this thing. Um, but Roethlisberger, nonetheless, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, has two Super Bowl rings. Right. There aren't quarterbacks out there that have multiple Super Bowl rings that aren't in the Hall of Fame that are eligible yet. So he's done his thing, but he's got to look around and say, you know what, Mike Tomlin, not the best head coach in the world. He's let me get do my thing. He's a player's coach. But I look across 
the wide receiver room. There's nothing there. I James see, Conner's not the answer. I see Moncrief sitting over there in the right? corner. You know, you look at that Steelers defense. This is a, a franchise that historically has had unbelievably great pressure defenses. And it's just not there. And I think that Ben, on some level, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pile on the Deion Sanders train because Deion Sanders said I think Ben's going to retire. I think Ben is out very very shortly, and it may not span through the end of this year when he says uh, I'd love to keep going, but the elbow I can't do it anymore. Right. Your thoughts? We got about thirty seconds before we pay some bills. Yeah, I just think I mean the injuries. You can get injured as a young quarterback, but have the bounce back ability, and you you have your career in front of you. When you get older, it's just harder to deal with these injuries. You just don't want to do it. You don't want to deal with the rehab, so it's just easier to just say, "Hey, I'm gonna hang it up." All right, you're listening to from the cheap seats. Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins will be covered. I want to dig in to the ACC and just exactly how bad a week it was for the conference. I want to talk about the 2-0 and o teams and the 0-2 teams in the NFL and what that means. We'll figure out where else we can go. I was tired of my lady. We've been together too long. Like a worn-out recording. Of a- my name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student-athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association.
Welcome back from the Chief Seas. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins coming at you. We're talking some football this morning. And the Drew Brees connection here with Ben Roethlisberger. I want to finish my thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger. I don't want to suggest that Ben Roethlisberger is not a tough guy because he certainly is. He plays a violent sport for a living, has for a very long time. He's out there doing it at 37. Ben Roethlisberger has had a myriad of injuries over the years, and he's played through them to his credit. Ben Roethlisberger, though, more than probably any athlete I can ever remember in my lifetime, embellishes his injuries. Goes all the way back to his motorcycle accident. People have forgotten about that was a dozen years ago, maybe fifteen years ago. Um, he has had this tendency to talk about injuries in a way that made himself seem like a tougher guy than he is. Even does that make sense? Yeah. I I believe that given the state of the Steelers. And where Ben Roethlisberger is at in his career, this guy's already made generational wealth. He's got more money than he knows what to do with. Right. He has solidified himself as an all-time great quarterback. But he's in a situation where the only possible thing that he can do to add to his legacy is a Super Bowl ring. Another one. To put himself in the elite class quarterbacks that have three Super Bowl rings. That obviously is not going to happen with this Pittsburgh team. There is no Lev Bell to fall back on. There is no Bettis. That's the point I was going to try to make. You can see the look on his face is like, wait a minute. I couldn't win it with Lev Bell and Antonio Brown. How am I supposed to win it with this bunch of knuckleheads? And I just think that week one beat down by the Patriots just took his soul away. Like He's like, no matter what I do this year, we're going to have to face these guys again. And they've never had any good extended success against the Patriots. And the Patriots look like absolute world beaters. Tom Brady's hugging on Antonio Brown like he's, he's like his long-lost brother. He's like hugging right. him in the end zone. So, I mean, I think you're right. You're hitting on it. Is I just feel like he's like, well, I, you know, I'm hurt. And then if I couldn't win it with those t- – world beaters and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, how the heck am I going to win it with a dude named Moncrief? Yes. And given this injury, and he's having an MRI at some point in the next couple of days on this elbow, if there is anything significantly wrong with this elbow, and maybe even if there's not, I think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to parlay this into shutting it down. And I do, you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he says, you know what? I feel like I've got more years in me. But looking at that roster and the state of the AFC, the Steelers are not AFC royalty anymore. When you watch the Kansas City Chiefs, who come out and lay an absolute egg against the Raiders and still win the game by 18 points, and you watch what New England is doing to people, not to not the least of which is Pittsburgh a week ago, there just is no shot Pittsburgh's on a different plane. Even if they were the third best team in the AFC, and they're not, they would be miles behind well, even those in, teams. Even and, in their own division, like Baltimore's yeah. looking awesome. Baltimore's doing it. Uh, Cleveland gets a Cleveland gets a prime time shot at bouncing back tonight. Both of those teams are indisputably on the upswing. Um, 
but then you look across the rest of the AFC and there's a, you know, sort of a scrum going on for that three through six spot in the playoffs. And Pittsburgh may find themselves in that as we move forward. But the idea that Pittsburgh is going to beat New England or Kansas City in December? No, sir. No. Not going to happen. No, the steel curtain no longer no longer exists. Like, I mean, there was an extension of that defense that went all the way through, like you said, the Jerome Bettis days. People feared Jerome Bettis and the, you know, the Steelers. But now there's no fear associated with them at all. Like, it's just another... It's just like another game on the schedule. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? This team might be an 8-8 eight and eight team. It might even be a 9-7 and seven team. I guess there's an outside shot that this is a 10-6 and six team. I don't feel like it is. But again, Roethlisberger is not going to get a ring in Pittsburgh this year. Not going to get a ring in Pittsburgh any of the next couple of years because that cupboard is bare. They've got a lot of problems on that team, not the least of which has been the infighting. Ben Roethlisberger comes out of this as a king, but for what? For what is well, the is the question, and the, that's the problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if this elbow injury, if it's anything more than just a you know a bump, I think this may be the mechanism he uses and says, "Hey, I'd really love to be out there, but I'm hurt, can't do it. You know, got to shut it down, and it can't feel good. You know, he's been in the league a long time, and he's got some of his peers or ex players like Ryan Clark." calling him not so much of a good leader. You know, I mean, if you look at all, almost all the other good quarterbacks in the league, like look at Breeze. Who wouldn't – people – his team, like, would walk through fire for him. And Big Ben just doesn't seem, seem to be able to have that or care to want to be a leader. He just kind of goes out there and laces them up. And, um, yeah, I just think – I'm with you. I feel like <laughs> hopefully he's – uh, Missy's not in the same territory as Big Ben because I think he's <laughs> I think he's on his own way out. Yeah, you you mentioned your dog. I got a boxer named Cooper. You know that he's got this stretching regimen in the morning now that he when he gets up it's like a ten minute stretch. I'm like, well, it's wild that you say that because my wife is you know quite the yogi and she's she's big into yoga and huh. dog, downward dog is a pose. Right. Yeah, downward dog is a real thing. And especially as dogs get older, man, when they're trying to stretch it out and get those get those joints loosened up. Um, yeah, I know exactly. What <laughs> I you're got an, about. I got another long day of sniffing things, yes, doing hard, eating everything, things I shouldn't eat. Yeah, I need to stretch for that. Yeah, for real, for real, for real. Well, now, I mean, you know, we started out this. I don't know where you're just going, but I was on the way over here. I'm not a hundred percent sure either. On the way over here, I'm like, wow, at the beginning of the season, you know, you know, we play in the same fantasy league. I'm, you know, you can go and pick up a quarterback like no problem and start him in your lineup because it's so deep. We've had some really good quarterbacks. Like, I mean, starting with Andrew Luck, I mean, he's done for real. You got Big Ben on the shelf. Now you got Drew Brees on the shelf for with a, a thumb. I don't know if you saw him try to grip that ball yesterday, but he it just he just had no grip. He couldn't even hold it. Oh, I think I think Brees is out for a significant period of time, and and you know we won't know. The Saints are being pretty tight lipped about it, but did he break the thumb? Is it a ligament damage? Is it whatever? But that's kind of an important thing, <laughs> is the thumb. And and Drew Brees, a guy, I knew that he'd been durable, and I remember back to the shoulder surgery he had when he was in San Diego before he moved down to New Orleans and became Drew Brees. And 
I assumed there had been some missed time, whatever. This guy hadn't been unavailable for a game since high school. Right. That's crazy, and he's 40 years old. Drew Brees, like Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Fame career. I think Drew Brees has still got the fire in his belly, and I think when he looks at that team, he's like, oh, I've got Kamara. I've got Michael Michael Thomas. You know, if things line up and we don't get hosed last year against the Rams, we're in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, of course, they got blown out yesterday, but that was with Breeze on the sideline with a bad thumb after he banged it on Aaron Donald's helmet. The, the difference between those two guys, I think Breeze still feels like not only does he have more to prove, he has the opportunity to do it. So I don't think this is going to have any impact on Breeze. Breeze is a guy that has taken supreme care of his body. He's a student of the game. Couldn't be any more different in Roethlisberger. We've watched Roethlisberger get bigger and bigger and bigger and less in shape as the years have gone on, and he's just kind of done it in spite of that. You know, to his credit, there's a lot of ability there and a lot of accomplishment. I'm not trying to hate on Ben Roethlisberger, but I think Ben may parlay this into the end. Hopefully for Breeze, he's not in the same circumstance as my dog where this was that thing and the dog doesn't get up anymore. I think Breeze will be back, but it may be a month, could be six weeks. I don't know, but Saints fans, boy, they got a glimpse into the future yesterday with with Teddy Bridgewater in there. And it was a disaster. It was horrible. Did you watch any of of Teddy Bridgewater's? No. Oh, God. Had no no time for that. You know, you brought... We, I think we both know that Theodore's got a long ways to go before he gets to, you know, he hasn't played, what, in three years? Yeah, it's been forever. So, um, Remember when Teddy Bridgewater was a franchise quarterback? He was a thing. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that play with the Rams and the Saints last year, which made me think about something I've been meaning to talk to you about. The way they're calling these games is driving me absolute berserk, where you can throw a flag. The, the pass and, interference flags are the worst idea the NFL ever had. They need to go ahead and nix this thing. I would just stop at week two. We've For seen real. Enough. We've seen enough. The the inconsistency in these challenge flags on the on the pass interference, it is obvious that some of these crews are like, you better have somebody better have got stabbed. If we didn't call it on the field, we're not going to give it to you on review. And then there's others who are like, well, to the letter of the law, he did touch him before the ball got there. There there could not be any less consistency with these pass interference calls. It slows the game down. Yeah, I mean, it's horrible. An argument could be made that there's pass interference on every play. There, there truly could. And the ones that get me are the ones where one team or the other is challenging, and it's obvious that there's pass interference on the other guy, too. Right. But but the other piece of this is, is well, you can challenge pass interference, but you can't challenge illegal contact or holding. That's stupid. It The whole thing is, is crazy. It was a knee-jerk reaction. It was a horrible idea. I don't know that there was anybody who was like, oh, I really think we ought to slow the game down a little bit more and, and have some more challenges out there. Dude, bad calls. Part of part of life, deal with it. Now, if you, you want to put something in and there's something egregious, I guess okay, maybe. But this is ridiculous, and I've just, had enough. I think hockey's got it right, in my opinion. This is just my small, feeble opinion. Hockey's got it right. They throw it up to a booth in a different city, while you know the, the whistle's been blown and there's a break, and they get a chance. To, I don't know where there's. A, uh, headquarters is maybe New York or something like that. I think. I think it's in Greenland. It's in Greenland. Yeah. Um, yeah. They 
but they get it right without typically slowing the game more than you know it takes them about 30 seconds to make this call in a booth you don't have challenge flags going everywhere you know i've seen some flags where it was cuz i'm watching it on tv and i can see every angle i i i've seen some um challenges where it's not even close it just makes the coach look stupid too cuz he's got the wrong angle on it it's just a bad idea to begin well with. they're beholden to what's going on on tv because they don't let them have their own video devices you're not they're not allowed to dvr and slow mo and except all the rest for the of patriots this stuff. well except they get patriots. to record everything so they they're beholden and you've got a very limited window of time to make the call so the whole thing is silly be done with it kill it today goodell speaking of things that goodell is killing today antonio brown our favorite guy in the whole world mr big chest mr big chest accused of sexual assault so the headlines say not really what he's accused of what he's accused of is rape right and I went, and this young lady that he has known since college, depending upon which side of the argument you're looking at, it's not clear who contacted whom and how this relationship started. However, it is very clear that there was a relationship between the two of them, that it was a physical relationship, and now it's a matter of whether the things that happened during the course of that relationship were consensual or not. A lot of people tried to f- trying to figure out how Antonio Brown got to play this weekend. Well, here's the thing. There's no criminal complaint filed against Antonio Brown. This is a Brown. civil suit. This is a civil suit. Yep. And I had a long discussion yesterday with a couple of different people about the fact that a civil suit is always going to come with a level of skepticism because it's not a criminal complaint. Right. All right, there's two issues here. First of all, in a civil complaint, you're not looking to have justice done. You're looking to recoup damages to you. Right. So that's the first piece of it. The second piece is that in a criminal, a criminal issue, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone is guilty of a crime. In a civil suit, you just have to show that it's more likely than not that they were at fault. You're not. You're not going all David. Glenn, you're not going all David Glenn on me, are no, you? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, is that today, Antonio Brown's accuser has been summoned to the NFL headquarters. Right. She and her legal team will be meeting with the NFL security folks. Don't be surprised if Antonio Brown is on the commissioner's suspended list by the end of the week. Hmm. And if he is, he has a big, 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 big problem. Because a civil suit like this, you would think if the NFL puts him on the commissioner's list, which means that he's paid, he's on paid leave, so he just can't play. He can continue to cash his checks. If they put him on the commissioner's list, you would think that will last until this case is resolved. This case could go on for years. Antonio Brown's not a young guy. Right. So this is going to be a problem. Now, I made the statement the other day 
that given these circumstances and that Antonio Brown is up against it and his his liability in this case is not really the centerpiece of, of the way I'm looking at this. If I'm Antonio Brown, knowing that I have a limited shelf life on my NFL career and my earning potential, because remember, he's on a one-year deal with New England. He has to go find somebody else to sign him, assuming that this goes awry and the Patriots don't renew that contract, exercise that team option. He's got one more contract in him. If I'm Antonio Brown, I'm not sure that I don't have my representation encourage the NFL to suspend me. And I know that may sound counterintuitive, but here's my thought process. Antonio Brown has made $79 million over the course of his NFL career. What has happened, if he's guilty of it, he really probably ought to go to jail. But that's not going to happen given the context of what we're talking about. So if the worst that's going to happen is this is going to cost him some money, go ahead and get that out of the way. If he gets suspended by the league, that, from my perspective, would give him cover to settle with this young lady and pay out of pocket. If he doesn't get suspended, there's no incentive to settle because that's almost an admission of guilt. Kind of really is. You know what I mean? Not Well, that's not. Well, you know, it's a lesson to other players to not be a knucklehead, generally speaking, because. Well, pretty much don't do anything that Antonio Brown has done. Well, my point being is is that I think there's a widespread assumption that he's guilty because he act, he does really stupid stuff, you know. If let's say let's take Tom Brady, if he was a, if he had an accuser and was in a civil case, we'd be approaching this totally different than where we're for sure for Antonio Brown. So, you know, a word to the is it a word to the wise? That's something that, you could say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I like a knucklehead cuz you know, if if Antonio Brown did it. Obviously, he should ride in jail. But if he didn't do it, that's a word to the wise to tell people, you know, try to put yourself in the right position because there are people that are false accusers out there are going for a money grab. Not saying she is, but you're automatically putting yourself in a bad position. Yeah, that and a little more free and legal advice on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. See you on the other side of the break. You mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds. Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrett is on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. 
When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Check her out. Oh, man. I like that. When young men turn 18, they think they know a lot about the facts of life. But there are a few more facts they need to know. Fact, you have to register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. Fact, registration keeps you eligible for government jobs and student loans. Fact, it's easy to register. Just visit sss.gov or any post office. Register with Selective Service when you turn 18. It's the law. And that's a fact. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there, as you grow, protecting you and those you love. And we are there, as you start your next chapter. We are with you through life's journey. We are Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. Tax Adopt Pay. U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A. Get spiritual. Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. From the cheap seats, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent A. Nichols, and Robert Ricky, both late scratches today. Woof! Yeah, you know, early on a Monday when you, your phone starts going ding, yeah, you just you can feel them dropping like flies. Yeah, you know? nobody's calling to tell me anything good. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Sure. Kind of bouncing back to the ACC a little bit. Yes, please. How much, if you had a lemonade stand, how much lemonade would you need to sell? to buy out Taggart's contract because there's a kid, there's like a four-year-old kid that set up a stand. His name's Grayton Grant. He's four years old. He set up a lemonade stand that says Free Willy on there. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think it's the contract's like $17 million or something crazy like that. They raised $241. So that's a little, that's a little <laughs> dent into... Have you ever seen a Florida State's fan base? 
are they ridiculous to be turning their backs on this guy so soon, or are they right to be turning their backs uh, on this man, guy? Man, look. I think Jimbo Fisher destroyed that program after the Jameis Winston era. I think that was the beginning of it. And I think we saw that, you know, Jameis Winston was sort of the poster boy for, you know, everything is okay. And it's been a year and a half now with Taggart down there. Something ain't right. And I don't know if he's the guy. I really thought he was a good hire. Mm-hmm. And it's just tough to say, man. What What are your feelings? I mean, do you think that, that Taggart's the guy to get them back on track? Because Florida State is not just a strong program. Mm-hmm. This is legit college football royalty. This is one of the best 10 programs in the country oh, yeah. no doubt. over the last 50 years. And, you know, Bobby Bowden took it to heights nobody would have predicted. Jimbo Fisher took the reins, won a national championship, and now, God, how the mighty have fallen. It's been two-plus years now of bad football in, at Florida State. You know how what's the what's the shelf life on this guy? You know the funny thing about it, it well not funny, but not being close to the program, it's hard to say if Taggart's going to be good for the program or not because it's too early to tell. You know, it wasn't a few years ago that Fedora Larry Fedora was had the heels in the ACC championship game against Clemson, but he was quietly destroying the program. You know, but nobody really knew unless you were close. He just couldn't recruit. And uh, you know his style, his style of play, you know, in terms of defense was almost non-existent. He he only got, he, I think he had Chiswick come in and help him out that one year, and it got better. But he just had no idea. So my point is that from the outside looking in, it can look like the coach is doing well, and he's actually doing a horrible job. Like I think Jimbo was at the end of his career with Florida State. That's my perception on the whole Jimbo Fisher thing, man. I I think that you know. I've never been a fan of Jimbo Fisher, and I thought that with what he inherited recruiting-wise, he was able to do that. And as an offensive coordinator, I've said this a million times, if Jimbo Fisher has better athletes than you, oh, he's going to look really good calling (laughs) plays. But as soon as you talk about an equal talent level or he's worse, he's in big, big trouble. And he's not doing anything down in Texas A&M. Texas A&M, oh, my God, how much money? Did Texas A&M drop into him? <coughs> it's going to be brutal out there. But even Texas A&M, I think there is a level of rationality with the fan base at Texas A&M. And they're like, you know, we need to be able to challenge. Right At Florida State, they're trying to win national championships. And Jimbo Jimbo saw the writing on the wall, to his credit, and couldn't, couldn't get out of Florida State fast enough. And here's the deal. When you look at those programs in a vacuum, Florida State's tradition and support exponentially bigger than that of Texas A&M. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Texas native. I don't want to say that. You've, you've been there long enough, though. But I spent enough time in Texas to know Texas A&M is a proud program, but it ain't Florida State. You know, Texas A&M is second fiddle to Texas in that state in far, in terms of, of tradition and history. The Texas program 
and its supporters think that Texas is something that it is not because it is not one of the top five programs in the country. But it is one of the top 10 or 12. It's more in line with Florida State from a historical perspective than Texas A&M is. So it wasn't any surprise to me personally when Jimbo bounced out of Florida State to go to Texas A&M. It was because he knew I have screwed this up here at Florida State. <laughs> well, and just if you're a Florida State fan, I guess Bobby would have been retired by now. But don't oh, you feel sure. horrible to push him out the way you did when you only had a few years of Jimbo? You know, the, he's basically one with Bobby's players. So, I mean, if you could go back in time, you had to think that Florida State would just let him leave on his own um, rather than forcing Jimbo, who you know, Phil, uh, Feinbaum says that Jimbo Fisher's better than uh, better coach than Dabo Swinney. I don't see it, but that's what that's he says. the stupidest thing I've heard. He lately. tends to say stupid things. I mean, that's that's the most ridiculous statement I have ever heard in my whole life. There is nothing in life that Jimbo Fisher does better than Dabo Sweeney, and I'm not a Dabo Sweeney acolyte. I think at some point the house is going to come tumbling in on Dabo, and we're going to find out there's some untoward things going on at Clemson, only because I'm such a skeptic. But when you look at the track record, come on, dude. Just just come on. Dabo Sweeney has already solidified himself as an icon yeah. in college football history. You, and, you can't even dispute. He's one of the best ten coaches of all time at this point, in my eyes, with what he's done with Clemson, and there is nothing – but bright future ahead of him, whereas Jimbo had a couple good years with Jameis Winston, but other than that was a all right coordinator for really good head coaches. Come well, on, man. Your, yeah, well, if I'm um, – that's ACC hate. Um, so, you know, he's a big SEC guy, and he's got he's to play to anything that those fans want. But, you know, to your point about a clean program in terms of Dabo keeping it clean over there, there's never going to be anything that comes out that Dabo knows about because they self-reported <laughs> so many silly things. This, you know, the the NCAA was pr- probably like, come on, Dabo. Like, so a kid took two napkins instead of just the one he was supposed to be allotted. But he reports everything. Because I remember the beginning of the season, they are like, you know, Clemson self-reports. And I started reading the article, and it was like somebody sneezed or something, you know, and they self-reported that. Well, here's the thing. Florida State should have got beat by Louisiana Monroe a couple of weeks ago. They sit at one and two to start the season, which is which is quickly becoming where we feel like Florida State's going to be. But Florida State's not even the worst of the ACC's problems right now. Georgia Tech, dude, <laughs> you got beat by the Citadel. Mm, that's pretty bad. Come on, man. How bad would they like to have Paul Johnson back in there right now? Oh, I know. You know, talk about a program that thinks they're something that they're not. Georgia Tech's been a doormat in the ACC for a very long time, but now they've taken this to a whole new level. Citadel gets them 27-24. But dude, they, had that, they had that national championship that, oh that they God. co-won with Colorado. Was it Colorado or Washington? Was it, it was Colorado? Colorado. Ah. I think yeah. that might have been an Eric B. Enemy team. Dude. So you got that, and on, you know, how about Les Miles? Kansas gets their first Power 5 road win in a 1,000 years where they blow BC out. Boston College 
Come on, man. The home of Matty Ice. Pitt has Penn State dead to rights and makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and blows it. Is there any sport where the head coach matters more than college football? Ooh, that's a tremendous question. Thank you, sir. I'm going to say no, man. No, because in the in in college basketball, you can get it right once or twice. If because out on the recruiting trail, you're only you're only going to suit up 12, 15 kids. You get you one or two horses, you can ride those horses to success. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right, man. I think college football, the head coach is the most important position, and it's not that these guys are X's and O's. We've talked about it with regard to Mac Brown, but you look at Bobby Bowden, Joe Paterno. Dabo Sweeney, these guys are not involved in the minute-by-minute, day-by-day scheming. They are chief executives. Right. And running a program, you know, with these multi-million dollar budgets and these enormous personalities and all of the, the ways that they're pulled and, and all the things tugging at them, that's a lot for a college football coach. And you see, Larry Fedora was a prime example. Larry Fedora is an offensive genius, period. Larry Fedora was not cut out to be the check chief executive of a program the size of North Carolina. Now, Mac Brown was and is. However, you've got to win that game at Wake Forest. I mean, I, I you, you, agree. You've got to be able to beat Wake Forest. Um, now, all of the optimism and everything that was going on just a week ago, dude... If App State beats them, whoof, how's that going to go down? It'll just be, it'll go back to what it was before they kicked off in week one, which is just <laughs> the, most people were not expecting a whole lot, you know? Um, that's the thing about Mac Brown is Mac Brown, with him comes a lot of expectations. And Carolina in football is normally a pretty understanding fan base. But when you get them fired up like this, you know, it, last week people were staying 30 minutes after the game and it was a night game. People were fired up for this coach, the you know, this coach to come back and bring some success to Chapel Hill. But the, it, but the, the hopes are not – see, Mac Brown could kind of do this sort of thing and probably stay in Chapel Hill for five years and people would make a big noise about it. You know what I mean? He could win a few, you know, win up six, seven, eight games a year, and he people would in Chapel Hill would be perfectly happy with him being there. Okay, I go back to my question. Okay, so let's start with the with the the simple part of this. Is App gonna beat North Carolina? No, you don't give him any shot. No, I think Wake Forest is a lot better than people think. Okay, well, it, to be fair, Wake Forest. Three games into the season is one of only three undefeated teams in the ACC. Right. Yeah, 14 teams in the ACC. And there's only three of those teams that have not taken an L already. Clemson and Wake Forest, do you know the third one? Uh, Virginia. Yeah. Yep. So when you look at the SEC, you well, made and a Virginia statement. was supposed to be good, too, this yeah, year. Yeah, well, Virginia, you know, they're on the come. But when you look at... The ACC, you know, you were like, well, the SEC, uh, you know, the, they got cupcakes. Maybe Georgia gets hot. Maybe Georgia, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, look, here's Is that how I sound. Yeah, that's exactly how you sound. 
here's the situation. When you look at the ACC and the fact that three games into the season, 11 of your 14 teams have dropped a game, that's a problem for you ordinarily. Because most times you be you know when you look at a team you were talking about Gonzaga in the in the in NCAA basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, Gonzaga runs the table in their conference every year. They come out and then they get it you know they they get seated at one through three somewhere. But with with in too many cases you look at a team like BYU for years when they were playing in the Mountain West, right? Where they'd come out and they'd be twelve and 0, 11 and one, whatever the case might be, and they got no love. Clemson has transcended that. It doesn't matter if anybody in the ACC wins a game the rest of the year. Clemson, from an eye test standpoint, is going to be considered one of the best two teams in college football. Plus, I mean, if you're in a Power 5 conference and you run the table undefeated, you're going to be in the playoff. doesn't matter how bad your conference is. That's not true. Unless you're the Pac-12. Unless you're the Big Ten. I mean, the SEC and the ACC, we're not at the point where it's a power five anymore. It's the power two plus three. Right. The SEC and the ACC are in a different different world. But that said, the SEC champ, no matter who runs the table in the SEC, they're going to be looked at as one of the best couple of teams in the country. You can run the table in the, in the Pac-12, in the Big 12, in the Big 10, and you're not going to get that same love. If it was if Clemson stubbed their toe, let's say Clemson finished 9 and 3 and Georgia Tech ran the table in the ACC, we might be tr- trying to figure out a way to keep Georgia Tech out of the national championship picture. You know what I mean? That's but Clemson awesome. has has earned this spot. Well, and the ACC is looking bad. They could turn it around, don't get me wrong. They could turn and around and be an okay conference. But she, like you said, the ACC and the SEC has separated themselves from the pack, which is hard to believe that you're saying that, being that the Big Ten is out there. You know, I mean, the Big Ten, I would say, is with those the, – the Big Ten is with the ACC and the SEC is what I'm trying to say. You know, Ohio State does have one of those championships in the BCS era. Yes, so, they do. I love hearing you say that too. By the way, let me uh, let me just ask you a question. Is staying in the ACC? I was just looking at Alabama's schedule. It, the, their first three games are not that impressive. They just beat South Carolina. Well, that's but, just. I mean, that's just the way that. But you know, but nobody complains about their schedule. I know they got to play Georgia and all that. But um, if if you're David Cutcliffe, and because he's been there a handful of years now, right? He's would have been five or six years. Oh, oh, man, I don't know. You see, there you go asking questions. Okay, I don't so have my point is, he's been there long enough to have a handle on you know determining this, their schedule, right? Okay. Why on earth do you schedule Alabama if you're Duke? Here, why not? Why? Why not? There's, they got zero chance of winning that game. Yeah, but the fact that they have zero chance means that a loss is not going to be held against them. But it's still a loss. So why? He, he, there, Duke's only chance of of doing anything. See, David Cutcliffe has a good handle on expectations there at Duke. Okay, the only chance that Duke is ever going to have of playing for a national championship is to luck up and find themselves in the ACC championship game and win the ACC. So playing their non-conference schedule absolutely does not matter. Now, if I'm Clemson... But why do you schedule a team that you're only going to score three points on? 
and they get blown out. And this is not the first year they've scheduled these guys. You know, it's I can see if Cutcliffe starts getting these four and five star players and going, hmm. Three years from now, maybe we can compete with Alabama, put them on the schedule. But that's not what's going on at Duke right now. But here's the thing. What is the – Duke's not going to go undefeated, right? Probably not. But okay. I mean, you, you, you give yourself no chance if you put Alabama, if you put Alabama on your schedule. Okay, so if – Because we've already established there's Alabama and Clemson, and then there's second and third tier teams. It's no, you know, it's no slouch to schedule like – even a Texas A&M. Or okay, but like what that. happens if Texas A&M beats you? Well, That's I mean, a bad loss. But what if you beat them? Yeah, but what if? I mean, the chances that Duke's going to beat Texas A&M in any particular year are not great. But Alabama, there's nothing. You, you're nothing to lose. You're playing with house money. That's like me trying to had a, have a beard off with Costin. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. You're right. You're going to lose that one every time. Could, but the thing with <laughs> scheduling Alabama, if you're Duke. There's no problem here. Now, if I'm Ohio State, don't put Alabama on my schedule. If I'm USC, if I'm Oklahoma, if I've got a chance to be in the conversation and I need to have a clean sheet, that's one thing. But, Duke, why not? Plus, is this a, is this a home-and-home contract that they signed with Alabama? I believe so. I'd- okay. So, it, who else in the preseason is Duke got any chance of selling out Wallace Wade with? I think some, you know, how they say there's no bad exposure. This is bad exposure. I, I when you, disagree. Man. When you're in front of your home fr- fans and you put up three points, that's bad exposure. Your brand's not. In, your brand's not getting any better. But they weren't. This was at Alabama. This was on the road. Okay. So you they know, played it. They played that Wallace Wade last time. Well, that's what I'm saying. And and how many people show up to see Alabama? I'm sure believe, a whole lot more. Believe it or not, Wallace Wade. Has a good, healthy fan base no. showing up for football games. When's the last time you were at Wallace Wade for a football game? Been a couple of years. I ago. was there on a Thursday night with them playing Miami when Duke actually mattered, and the place was three quarters empty. Three quarters. Full. I don't believe it. It was three quarters full. I am always disappointed because Wallace Wade is one of the coolest places in the country to watch a football game. And I'm not going to go down the the rabbit hole, but Chris and I discussed it maybe on, on a future show. But Duke and Alabama have crazy football ties from way back in the day that yes, you would not believe. But we'll hit that on another show. Yes, we will. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We're halfway home. pools can be lots of fun, but they can be dangerous too, especially for young children. Always practice simple safety steps to prevent tragedies. Fence all pools. Teach kids to swim. And always watch them around water. No horseplay. Simple steps save lives. To learn new life-saving steps, visit PoolSafely.gov. A public service message from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. 
A message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. There's pain that does not stop. I feel trapped by migraine. Migraine is a disabling disease. I feel like I'm dying. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. WFJA 105.5, Sanford, Pinehurst, Southern Pines. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Debt. If you get in too deep, members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. A certified credit counselor helped me get back in control. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. NFCC taught me all I needed to know. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. We'll help you put debt in its place. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Welcome back to the show from the Chiefs East, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and you teased about Wallace Wade and Duke and Alabama and the ties. And we need to we need to dedicate it, uh, an entire hour at some point to the history with regard to Duke. And uh, I mean, it starts with Wallace Wade actually won uh, championships at Alabama before Bear Bryant was even on the scene. It goes that far back, but. Even um, Cameron indoors, named after an ex-football coach. So there's a lot of history there and a lot of ties there that you would not believe if you didn't hear him here first. And Nate Cochran just sent me a text, says that Wallace Wade is the only stadium in the country to host the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Other than the Rose Bowl itself. Pasadena. In Pasadena. That's pretty wild. It was uh, had to do with the world. I just want to know, Nate, if if you're listening live, does this mean that you're not going to listen to the podcast version of this show? Uh, Anybody out there, if you've missed anything or you want to hear anything that we've ever bumped our gums about in forever, you can find From the Cheap Seats as a podcast out there on any platform that you listen to podcasts. The Apple iTunes podcast app, Podbean. Is it there? Yes. 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 The answer is always yes. Is it there? So check it. It's there. It's there. Check it out. 
All right, so I want to get to, it's funny that Nate just hit me up because I wanted to talk a little bit about local high school football for just a second. And I know that to begin this season, there was a lot of hoopla about Lee County and the fact that, you know, Lee County may well be playing for a state championship this year. That's their expectation. Coach Steve Perdue has been on our show that's how he feels about it. And as fast as they got out of the gate, Southern Lee didn't. Did their However, horse, their horse still in the gate? Uh, yeah, it was it was stuck in the starting gates. But I tell you what, we did the Southern Lee game for television on Friday night, and Southern beat Cedar Ridge, who's not a, a powerhouse, but is a big physical squad. And they absolutely beat the brakes off of them, 44 to nothing. To Noah Lockley with four touchdowns, two receiving, two rushing touchdowns. I got a chance to talk to him after the game, um, and there is some D1 buzz about this young man. I've thought there was since he was a freshman when he started as a freshman in a program that was really top shelf. Um, this one is of the, the most kid, dynamic players in the This is the, the kid county. you said put some, some weight on? No. That's okay. A.J. Bullware at okay. Lee County. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, yeah, Tanoa Lockley leading that offense. He's he's the featured tailback at this point. I'm excited about what they're doing on offense. And as they, they get closer to conference play, big 44 to nothing win at home against Cedar Ridge. And I was particularly impressed with the crowd that turned out. I thought it was a 7.30 kickoff, so I came in a little closer to game time than I normally would. And when I showed up, there were about 15 people in the stands. And I was like, oh, Uh-oh. come on. But I tell you what, man, for a preseason non-conference game, the crowd, by the time kickoff came, um, was impressive. Bang- banging? It was banging. And it was beach night at the at the stadium. So there were kids running around, acting a fool, lots of lays. It was interesting. But, um, yeah, suddenly with a big win, they pulled a 2-2, two and two, 44 to nothing against Cedar Ridge, again, Tanoa Lockley, two receiving touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and some some Barry Sanders video game moves that he put on kids throughout the, the night. It was it was a lot of fun. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Sure. <clears throat> Have you ever scored a touchdown yourself yes. in high school? Yes. I haven't. That's one of the that's one of my bigger regrets. You know, I played I actually, soccer. I played soccer all the way through high school so never really got the opportunity there is a still photo of me out there floating around scoring a touchdown playing tight end um against our rival school when i was still in england uh and it's one of my most cherished possessions okay so let me ask you another question have you ever scored a goal in soccer oh god yeah hit a home run yes let me think of some other ones well let's just take those three touchdown scoring a goal or a home run What's the best feeling? Oh, the touchdown for sure. Really, the the one thing yeah. I've never done. Yeah, the touchdown for sure. So you're, Scoring you're a goal in soccer in. when you when you do it, and it's in a big moment, that's a thing. My actually my biggest moment on a soccer field came on a goal that I assisted on, as opposed to scoring, and that you know you assists really aren't a stat in soccer. That's a made up thing, um, but. On one particular play, I can still remember vividly seeing how everything was about to unfold, and all I needed to do was hit one pass to release my fellow striker into space and that he would put it away, and I did it 
and he scored, and we went up. We won a tournament game, um, and for whatever reason, that more than anything else sticks in my mind, and that's one of my memories of high school sports was that moment freeing him up, and it was just the way the whole thing unfolded. But yeah, I, I scored a lot of goals in soccer, so I'm wondering if that tarnished that a little bit for me because it was kind of like I was just thinking about this kid you're talking about. He scores four touchdowns in one game. Is he still excited about every touchdown, or is he kind of like, all right, let me just mosey over this goal line one more time? Well, I'm going to have the chance to ask him that, and, and I may ask him that question specifically. I'll credit it to you. But tonight, um, me and the crew will be at Zaxby's to do the Zaxby's Coaches Show. Coach Steve Berdue and Coach Ken Neal uh, from our two respective high schools will be out there with me. It starts at 7 o'clock. Come on by. Have some dinner. Check it out. There'll be um, – I know Lee County – Lee County will be bringing eight players with them. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be presenting awards for player of the game on offense and defense for the first four weeks of the season – because games have gotten pushed to Mondays, it's messed up the whole coaches show rhythm. So from this point on, we should be out there every Monday at seven o'clock at Zaxby's doing the coaches show for television. Um, so there'll be a link you can check if you don't watch it live. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Get whole, to sit and do some some breakdown and some analysis. Um, the whole time you've been talking, I've been thinking about. I wonder why they chose Zaxby's, and then it made me think about Chick Fil A. And then now there's a Popeye, Popeye's coming to town. It's going to be like that scene in Anchor, the knife fight in Anchorman where Dude. they're mixing it up. So officially, what's the best chicken out of it? We don't have a church's. Oh. Out of the three. Look, as far as I'm concerned, with as much sponsorship as Zaxby does for local <laughs> high school football, there is no conversation to be had. You can tell me, you can tell me off air. Zaxby's. I do have to, I do have to wonder, though. So, were you able to get your hands on a Popeye's chicken I haven't sandwich? Yet. I yeah, well, not. you can't. They're sold out. They're sold out nationwide. They're, it's like the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket. Dude, I tried in Durham. What do you mean they're sold out? Did they? They're run sold out, out nationwide. Nationwide, they are sold out of the chicken sandwiches. You cannot buy one anywhere right now. I tried while I was in Durham. Uh, one of the first days I was back at school up there, and I was like. I'm going to do this. So I rolled out there, drove over, and there was a line wrapped around the building. And I was like, don't have time for this. I'll wait till the dust settles, and I'll, I'll get me one. And about three days later is when they announced, yeah, we're sold out nationwide. None until sometime in October. Come on, dude. Now These, these guys know what they're doing. Oh, it's my like, God. It's like when they, when they take the, uh, the peach milkshake off the menu at Chick-fil-A, people lose their minds. Look. That it's funny that you talk about that peach milkshake, and I'm not trying to bash the peach milkshake, but there is a local restaurant, and they're not getting a mention until they throw us some cheddar, that rolls out a watermelon milk milkshake the same time every year. Do, are you familiar? No. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to turn you on to it. So one day each summer is that day where they start selling the watermelon milkshake. It's the best thing ever. It's like real watermelon ground into vanilla ice cream, and it's unbelievable. And they don't start doing it until the summertime. And it comes sometime, I'd have to look, sometime the end of May, beginning of June. But it is dope. Now. I can't wait to try that. I'm hungry now. So, speaking of of fast food, Shake Shack. You know they opened a Shake Shack in Cary, right? Mm Mm-mm. 
No, I did hear that, yes. They did. And, and I don't Shake know Shack a whole lot is, about them. Shake Shack is one of those, you know, mythical hamburger joints that pops up every once in a while. But the cool thing about Shake Shack is every Shake Shack in the country does something with local restaurants. And when you look at the Shake Shack menu, you're like, okay, cool. They have a North Carolina pie company that they've teamed up with. They have North Carolina beers on the on tap. Um, it's good. Now, if you're willing to drop 40 bucks for you and a, a date to have a burger and a drink, cool. But that's the place that I went. Shake Shack just opened up in Cary. I was not willing to stand in line at Popeye's and wish I had to do that over again. I did go stand in line at Shake Shack, and it was worth the trip, but, man, it was pricey. Yeah, I mean, I don't get the standing in line for food that... If you were getting, like, a signed album by Paul McCartney or something, I would stand in line for something like that. But once you eat the sandwich, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's just... You know what I mean? I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. You just, like, broke my spirit and made me feel stupid for standing in line at Shake Shack. But I, I would recommend that anybody that hasn't been to Shake Shack before go up there because it really is top shelf. It's good food. When I was living in, you, when you said Shake Shack, for some reason I was thinking Steak and Shake. That's funny that you say that. Because when I was in, when I lived in Raleigh before I moved back to Sanford, that was my go-to place. How? Where else can you get a bad ribeye and a milkshake? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's it's a good the, question. It's, it's on the cheap too. Like it was affordable. Oh man. All right, to the NFL. I want to go through. First of all, let's talk about this Browns-Jets matchup tonight. The Browns came out with more hoopla than anybody in the league. They were the sexy pick to be the Super Bowl team uh, from the AFC, all this. And then they come out week one and get their doors blown off by Tennessee. Now, good side and bad side. First of all, they get a chance on prime time to bounce back. And the game, to, by the way, when you say doors blows off, blowed off, they got blown out. But that game was a lot closer. Than I agree. Score. I agree 100%. Indicates. And in the end, most people just watch highlights, see the score, and they're like, oh, my God. Right. But it was. It was a lot closer, and Cleveland couldn't get out of their way. I know for certain tonight that against New York, as they visit the Jets, they're not going to have 18 penalties. <laughs> um that's I, I would imagine they bounce back. New York is a team that's reeling, and yeah, don't Cleveland know Scott, should win this thing. I don't even know what the spread is. They're going to six cover. and a half. Yeah, they're going to cover. It from, How can it only be six and a half? Sam Darnold is out with mono. He's got skittlepox. Uh, look, let me tell you about mono. I had mono as an adult about eight years ago. I was absolutely debilitated. How do you get mono? Yeah, I don't. You can get it anywhere, and they used to say, "Well, it's a kissing disease." It's not. You can get it from anywhere. All you have to do is contact something. Um, and there was an outbreak in Mississippi where it, it was proof positive. It wasn't a kissing disease. They had babies getting it. They had all the, all the stuff. Aww. But anyway, I got mono, and I didn't know what I had. I ended up in the in the ER. Yeah, it'll do damage to your some internal organs and stuff. Yeah. I, well, I just found that out recently. My mono caused me to have an intestinal infection that manifested itself as really, really bad heartburn. They thought I was having a heart attack. And they wired me up and they had me in there and, you know, my daughters showed up and they're like, oh my God, our dad is dying. And then after about three hours in the emergency room, the doctor comes back in and laughs and says, uh, you got mono. And I'm like, mono? 
the kissing disease no and he broke it down for me but dude i was absolutely done for two or three months i couldn't do anything Mm. and there are people that are giving sam darnold grief right now because he's gonna miss a couple of weeks playing quarterback in the nfl with mono dude i couldn't drive my car right no i don't I don't think anybody's – I haven't heard anybody give him any grief. I'll have to check that line in the break, but I think it went from two and a half to six and a half based on Darnold. Well, if you're, if you're a better, take, take that. They're going to cover. Cleveland's coming out with a point to prove the Jets have got lots of issues, not the least of which Sam Darnold's not going to play. It's going to be bad, and it's going to be bad fast. Um, I think Cleveland bounces back and wins in a huge way. This is a statement game for them. I don't think it means anything anything in the bigger context of this season if they come out and win by 60 tonight i'm not going to be impressed um they have everything to play for the jets have got to be reeling with darnold out um this game means nothing to me but i think cleveland gets to one and one no problem now what i want to do rather than try to get through every game i want to hit each one of the teams as we go through these these games from this weekend that is either two and oh or oh and two and, and try to capture whether or not that's a real picture of what that team is. First, we'll start right here in North Carolina with the Panthers. Right. And the Panthers with a bad L. This Tampa Bay team coming in on a Thursday night. Nobody ever wins on the road on Thursday night. They come in and manhandled the Panthers. Panthers with some suspect decisions made through the game. Cam Newton's playing suspect. hesitant for the suspect. first time in his career. You need... You need a half a yard. You got Cam Newton, and you run a fake Philly special. Get out of here! To me, that Riverboat Ron sealed his own. If this starts to go sideways, that one play sealed his fate in, turn, in the eyes of David Tepper, because that was just the dumbest play call I've ever seen. Well, it's a shame for NFL coaches. You asked earlier. Well, our college coach is the most important person. You know, or where are they more important than college football? I don't think anywhere. In the NFL, all too often, where we fixate on the quality of a coach or the relative badness of a head coach is on a particular play call. Remember Chuck Pagano a few years ago with the Colts when he ran that ridiculous fake punt in prime time? Right. And people were like, oh, Chuck Pagano's an idiot. Uh, Not really. In the NFL, it's... Totally the Jimmys and the Joes. Is now Jason Garrett is Jason Garrett now the best coach in the NFL? No, the Cowboys. Well, we'll get to the Cowboys. Okay, Don't okay, get ahead we'll of yourself. I want to talk about Carolina. I think you've been screaming for this for a year and a half now. I'm willing to get on board with yeah, it's time to end the Cam Newton era. That doesn't mean the same thing as it does for the Hornets who need to tank this year. Um, that's not going to work in the NFL, but it is time to develop an exit strategy. You've got Newton under contract for one more year. Uh, without looking, I don't think there's any dead money if they were to move on from him at the end of this year um, and or look- even at some point during this year. But I think what I'm seeing from Cam is proof positive. Cam is not the guy anymore he was four years ago. Uh, it is time to start figuring out where we're going to go from here uh, because at the most – You've got Cam Newton for another year and a half, but I can't imagine the Panthers ponying up significant coin to keep him around after that. Looks like the lines moved to seven, just to let you know. Cut, take it. But uh, cover on the on the the Browns. But to to be clear, I don't dislike Cam Newton with all his goofiness. 
I think we had this conversation where people were just describing him. Dude, it's kind of goofy. Cam Newton memes right now are my life. <laughs> I sent you one, right? Oh my god, they're, they are the they're hilarious. But the the problem is not the off the field stuff for me because I I don't really care either way. It's just he can't do what he used to do, which is threaten to run the ball. And I watched the Panthers game. I watched the Panthers-Tampa Bay game. They're to the point where they're trying to make him stay in the pocket. They're not taking advantage of clear, clean running lanes that you could burn the the defense for a good 8, 9, 10 yards. And when the defense see that you're not taking that, Cam Newton's done. Yeah, Cam's not going to beat you with his head and his accuracy. And if he's not a threat to run anymore, that changes things dramatically. Now, I, I told you, the, the memes of Cam Newton with his headscarf on in the post-game interview, I, they're, they're my favorite thing ever. And I'm going to read you some captions. Cam Newton looks like a 44-year-old divorcee who just found out she lost custody of her kids. Yep. That's one of my faves. Um, <laughs> Cam Newton looks like a woman who has lost several husbands under, quote-unquote, mysterious circumstances. <laughs> Cam Newton looks like he doesn't care about your company policy and wants to speak to your manager. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. This dude is making he's, – he's, he's created a caricature of himself. Um, he doesn't have the ability to match that anymore, and your talent has to be in line with the cartoonishness of your actions and your appearance. Cam Newton's days are numbered out there in Carolina. Um you, the question was just put into my ear. Can I compare Cam Newton to Dennis Rodman of the 90s? No, only because Cam Newton was a legitimate superstar. Dennis Rodman was notorious primarily because of his actions off the court. Dennis Rodman had a very limited skill set. He was a very good defensive player. He wasn't a great defensive player. He was a great rebounder in a game where rebounding is probably the third or fourth most statistic in the league. I think they're very but, different. Like, but, you know, Dennis Rodman w- would wear wedding dresses just to get the attention. Yeah. This dude has some designer in his ear. I mean, Cam Well, Newton, he has his own line of clothes. Well, Cam Newton's a good-looking dude. He uh, absolutely good-looking dude. I mean, the, the except dude, that his ears are way too small, but you know, who doesn't have I something wrong? I don't notice with stuff. I don't notice <laughs> stuff like that about other guys. I I, I don't I, notice that. I don't notice that kind of I'm stuff. I'm just saying. You're looking way too close. But um but he, it's like he look, goes out of his way to look just like a weirdo. But you're, you're, you're missing this. Cam Newton has his own line. I actually have a couple of Cam Newton yeah, sport he, coats. Yeah, he used to have his line they're, with Bill. Yeah, they're made yeah. is the name of the of the line. I think it still exists. But I don't remember seeing any men's headscarves in Bill. Well, here's the thing is when you look at runway models, you know, they wear these extreme things and they're trying to get attention for the designer. I'm sure that some of that same thought process is going on because I own a couple of sport coats from made and i'm going to tell you that a couple that both of them people are like oh my god that's a nice coat they're nice jackets and they're not anything that, you know they don't involve a headscarf you know what i mean right. so i don't i don't know what's in his head i know that this is a guy that's been the best athlete in the building since he was probably 8 years old and has been anointed and treated and we've seen some bad behavior from him we've seen some questionable decision making um I think he's a guy that is just not that well adjusted socially and is a little goofy. I think he has lost all of his confidence. 
because you talked about the action, the running thing, that's something that they've planned behind closed doors. We're not going to run you nearly as much or if at, at all. Well, but his accuracy, some of his passes are as if he had no intention of getting them to the, the receiver. That's how bad they are. Like they're landing two feet behind the heels of the receiver. Well, I honestly believe, and I was worried about it when I saw it in week one, that delivery is not Cam Newton's delivery. It's not how he throws the football. He has been able to be the best athlete and make plays, quote-unquote, make plays. Now you can see the hesitancy in am I going to tuck it and run it is in his head. I'm sure that that carries over. Mechanically, he's not able to deliver the ball. The arm strength is not there like it used to be and he is hesitant to run the ball for fear of injury but you you got too many things going on between your ears for a guy that is not a cerebral quarterback to start with but chris it's even worse than that because there's some of these holes that peyton manning could take off and get a first down in and he's just not going there well and, and, and and that's not that is a conscious decision that's not his instinct and that's what i'm saying is you've taken a guy like this who was a supreme athlete with good instincts and had the ability to exploit his instincts, and now you've got him thinking about everything that's going on around him. Not a good recipe. I think the parent Panthers are oh. in danger. We will actually move off the Panthers and on to the rest of the league after this break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We are live outside the home of Joe and Rosie Goddard, where a pretty big tickle fight broke out just minutes ago. Sources say their father instigated the laughter. Let's go inside for a comment. (laughs) Apparently, they have no comment. Dads, let this be a reminder that it only takes a moment to make a moment. Call 877-4DAD411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. My name is Lola Silvestri, and I'm going to be 95 this year. I was very independent. I fell, and I had to have meals on wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Hello, it's me, the designer jeans in the back of your closet. What happened to us? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Okay, maybe I never really fit you right, but I got a lot more Sunday fun days left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a stroke are far from silent. 
Get back on your treatment plan or talk with your doctor to create a plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had this toe. Everything's changed. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Brandon, I know you're a fiend for a good beat. That's one. Oh, Janet Jackson, all right, Ultimix right there. I could listen to all day. Well, and May. Right. You know, you, you worked on these bumpers yourself, and that's the only one that you and I both start dancing at the same time. I mean, you have kind of your stuff over there that I ignore. I I have my thing, and then that song comes on, and we're kind of move. We're gyrating. Yeah. The 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 heavy D hooks in that... In that uh, Song are amazing. Anyway, um, on to you, you were talking about Carolina, and and you had a point that you wanted to add. Please do so. Well, it's nothing to go in depth in, but the problem they also have in Carolina is the young receivers. There, you're starting to get some eye rolls because what good is having speed if the ball can't match the speed? Well, so, it, more than that, it, with with these what you would call great quarterbacks, the top tier quarterbacks. Look at Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers takes a lot of grief from a lot of people. He looked good yesterday. Though. Well, he, he did for 15 minutes. Um, when you look at what's going on with the receivers in, in Green Bay, those guys will kill themselves for Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. because they know if I continue to work and get open, Aaron's going to give me an opportunity to put up numbers and be productive. If I'm where I'm supposed to be, the ball's going to be delivered on time in a place that I can catch it. So they're going to continue to run their routes. Look at Peyton Manning the entire time he was in Indy. And even when he went to Denver, those receivers would kill themselves for him. When you look now at Brady, they can trot out anybody. Now they happen to be trotting out, you know, Antonio Brown at this point. And Josh but Gordon. But when you look at what's, what's happened with Edelman and Welker and guys over the course of years – Dion Branch, they knew if I continue to work and I do what I'm supposed to do, the ball's going to be delivered on time. And that's just not the case with Cam. So, yeah, I think that DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, these guys are like, come on, man. How many times am I going to go down here and run at full speed and waste my time? Yeah. You know, McCaffrey's getting all, getting everything all in this love. offense. Yep. And, you know, McCaffrey may be the best all-around back in football. I know there's people that, you know, on the Saquon Barkley train, Zeke is doing his thing, but when you look at a complete back, if he stays healthy, Christian McCaffrey is going to have an enormous year. But at some point, those receivers are like, dude, come on, man. And I think you're right with the eye rolling. Yeah, in street clothes, McCaffrey kind of looks like he's delivering your pizza. But what I've heard is, is that he's got incredible strength, and he's Durable beyond what you would think a guy that small would be. Well, even the most durable backs have to be durable. And it's one thing to say, well, he is durable. He's built to be durable. But guys actually holding up to an NFL pounding, you know, the shelf life on on running backs is short. It only takes one little nick that becomes something bigger. You you know, we'll see as time goes on. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of problems in Carolina. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. That was a bad, bad, bad loss on Thursday night to to, uh, Tampa Bay, who should be vying with Carolina to be the third and fourth best team in the division because New Orleans is, well, 
New Orleans before Drew Brees went down was head and shoulders above everybody. See, that's what's that's what hurts about what's going on with yeah. the Panthers right now is because the whole division opened up to you for the most part. I guess Atlanta looked pretty good last night. Atlanta looked okay. Atlanta still got some things to work out, but I think at this point, if Breeze is going to miss significant time, this is Atlanta's division to win. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's still in there with a fighting shot there at 1-1, one and one, but Carolina's 0-2, and, and it's a bad 0-2. Um, Could have won at home against the Rams, lost against Tampa Bay, you're 0-2. Yeah, it's rough. Now, on to more 0-2 and 2-0 and and teams. This matchup this week, 49ers and the Bengals featured two teams going in opposite directions. The 49ers now are 2-0, and and they haven't beat juggernauts. They beat Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. The 49ers look good. And, yeah, they played Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense last week against Seattle looked like the strength of the team. This week, they absolutely did not show up. Kyle Shanahan in that offense. Kyle Shanahan is one of the better play callers in the NFL, and he just abused that defense all day. They also, San Francisco very quietly has put together one heck of a defensive line. They do not have to blitz to bring pressure. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa coming off the edges. That San Francisco team is complete. I don't think they're ready to compete with the Rams, but I'm buying on the 49ers. And fantasy owners, Matt Breida is for real. If you have an opportunity to go get Breida, get Breida. As long as he stays healthy, Breida is going to be huge in terms of production. Tevin Coleman was signed to come out there to San Francisco. They lost Jarek McKinnon. But San Francisco all along in that building has felt like Matt Breida was the best back for that offense. Through two weeks, he hasn't been nicked up as long as he stays healthy. And at some point, he's going to get hurt. He's a little guy. He probably will wind up hurt, but until he does, go get him. Well, and, he and is going even, to have opportunities to make splash plays consistently in that offense. The creativity with Kyle Shanahan is top shelf. And just nerd out a little bit on fantasy even if Breida goes down, they got you pronounce it Mostert, 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 Mostert. <laughs> Can I get some Mostert? Well, here's the my... here here's the thing: is Jimmy but, Garoppolo. This is Jimmy Garoppolo now is eight and two as a starter in the NFL. I'm gonna tell you something: Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top tier quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo does not throw the ball down the field well. He doesn't make great decisions. He's he's still a little hesitant with the knee, probably will be. He wasn't wildly athletic in the first place. But what Garoppolo doesn't do well is he doesn't push the ball down the field, which means that you're going to see a lot of underneath stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of screen plays. The 49ers screen game might be the best in the league, which means big things for the backs, Breida in particular. Breida is a special athlete. I'm telling you, the 49ers, if they don't take any more significant injuries to the running back position, are going to be pretty good this year. I'm looking 10 and 6, 11 and 5. I don't think they can unseat the Rams. I, the, the Rams are still the class, of that, class of that division. The Bengals are a team, on the other hand, that are going to have a couple wins this year that make that get your attention. And I don't know if it's going to be that they knock off Baltimore. I don't know who it's going to be. They're going to beat some teams that they shouldn't beat. But that team is incomplete. They have some problems. This is a team last week that started four linebackers. The reason they only had four linebackers on the roster is because they don't have any linebackers that are any good. Right. They have problems. Jonah Williams was their first-round pick out of Alabama. They were supposed to plug him in at left tackle and solve a lot of problems on that offensive line. Torn Peck, I believe, 
out for the season probably. They've got him on the injured can return. By the time it comes time for that, they're probably not going to rush him back. Jonah Williams will be there next year, so he's part of the solution. In the interim, that offensive line is going to get Andy Dalton killed. Ryan Finley will start before the end of the season because Dalton's going to get killed. In the meantime, the offense is going to put up big numbers. John Ross is breaking out. He's another guy that when he's healthy can do some things. He's going to get hurt at some point. But so Cincinnati's not going to they're they're not going to challenge for the playoffs. Um, it would have been very surprising coming into this season given the transition and AJ Green being out if they did. I was going to ask you like when AJ Green comes back from injury, who suffers in terms of production? Nobody. Nobody. I think there's enough footballs to spread around. Tyler Boyd is putting up his numbers. John Ross is putting up his. But John Ross is doing his on a splash play or two. Right. He's making a big play, and he's that fast. If you get him the ball in space, he can gash you. He can't be a reliable number two receiver because he can't catch. He's got hands of stone, and he puts too many balls on the ground. So he's not going to lose looks. They'll still, when Green comes back, it'll be Green and Boyd instead of Green and Willis or Green and Tate or Green or whoever else they're going to trot out there. John Ross will still be the third option, and on any given week, he's going to get, like he did this weekend, a 66-yard touchdown catch where they run some sort of screen, where they run some sort of misdirection to him, some kind of gadget play. John Ross has got that kind of potential. The Bengals are probably a 5-11 and team. They're going to have a couple good wins where you're like, oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but that defense has got issues, and A.J. Green is probably still another month away. I'm really surprised, given how this injury is lingering, that they didn't drop him on IR. But when they looked at it, I don't think that Cincinnati had any illusions about challenging to be atop the AFC this year anyway. So they've got offensive lines. I was on a Bengals message board the other day, and the draft strategy proposed by one particular fan was they need to draft offensive linemen in rounds one through seven. Their offensive line is that bad. Um, So two teams going in opposite directions. Now the Packers, the Packers have gotten themselves to 2-0, and with the exception of the first 20 minutes of this game against the Vikings, they haven't looked very good. They got past Chicago, who could not get out of their own way in week one to open the season. And, you know, well, it's a new offense. They're struggling. They're sputtering, whatever. Then they come out, and before you can even flip over to the game, it's 21 nothing against the Vikings. But then they did nothing the rest of the game. Well, so, I think the key to Green Bay is it's up here in Aaron Rodgers' head. If they have if they have balance between the running game and the passing game, they're a really tough out. But if Aaron Rodgers gets it in his brain that he wants to get cute with it, that's when they always get trouble. If he's got to be the main – he's heard that he's the best for so long, he believes it ten times over. But if you keep a, a balanced running game over there, whether it, be, it doesn't even matter if it's Aaron Jones, it could be the other running back – but what I see is if you keep a balanced running game, then they're going to be really hard to beat this year. Well, and Aaron Rodgers with 100 yards last year, Jamal Williams with the touchdown. I think you're right that balance is what they're trying to achieve. It's going to be a careful little dance that that Matt LaFleur has to sort out as the head coach and the play caller there. Um, I think we're at a point in Aaron Rodgers' career I'd be less concerned about his numbers. As long as they're winning games, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on board. I'm a little less cynical about Aaron than you are. But Green Bay... As they sort it out, there are a whole lot worse positions they can be in than 2-0. and There's no reason to expect that this offense is not going to continue to get better. 
and that they can do enough on defense. They put a lot of resources into shoring up that defense this offseason. Right. So with that, you know, that receiving core with Devontae Adams and um, what's his name? Uh, Garrett, uh, Allison? Gallison? No, I'm trying to think of the guy with two names. Scandling. Scandling. Yeah, just, just, we'll just go with one yeah, name. Scandling. Scandling. Yeah. We're not going to give you your whole name. as much as he gets on a Monday morning. But then you add Jimmy Graham in there, which is which is an asset I think will will be exploited at some point. I, I think that the Packers, if Aaron Jones stays healthy and they can count on him to be that guy when they decide to run the football, I think the Packers are going to be good. Um, on the flip side and of I that. I don't like that division much. The Bears were supposed to be good. I'm not buying on the Bears at all. Um, I don't like Minnesota. It, generally speaking, but somebody's going to pop out of there and make some noise in the playoffs. Well, I think it's Green Bay that's going to. I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL from my humble perch here. Um, that's just where I'm at. The Lions are the Lions are not good. So the only other the only other side of the football, I'm talking about balance with the Minnesota Vikings. Lord, I hope they don't switch their offensive style because I have Dalvin Cook in my fantasy league. But they need more balance if they're going to win more games. You got like well, they need like, cousins to play at a at a, a quasi Pro Bowl level, and I don't know that but, that's going to happen. But I don't think it's all cousins. I, I I think he gets some of the credit. But I listen to I told you about buying XM Radio, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm nonstop fantasy football. This is an on purpose run heavy game, and so I think you know how. Talk about eye rolling between Thielen and Diggs. You got that much talent at wide receiver. You had better use them. Mike Zimmer's not going to, man. Mike Zimmer is an old school. We're going to pound the rock and play good defense. We're not going to put ourselves in bad positions. That's what he's comfortable with. He is the captain of that ship. Mike Zimmer, the head coach in Minnesota, that is his philosophy. Don't outcute yourself. Pound the ball. Play a physical game. We're going to play strong defense. That's what he's wanted. Now, with Dalvin Cook going down last year, you saw him open it up, and, you know, we got a brand-new shiny toy with Kirk Cousins. But I think that his belief is the strength of that team is the running game, and that's what Mike Zimmer wants from that squad. We'll see how they go. Well, and, and one last thing on this in, in this game, talk about the officiating earlier. Diggs had a touchdown call back. Minnesota could have easily won this game. So, well, you know, it was, that's, it was that's on what a happens phantom when you only call. Play. It was on a phantom Dalvin Cook down the field mix up call. Like said, so they called it. I don't know if you saw that contact, but it was I not no, nothing to write. Home I did. About. Um, so moving on to the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots are one. Do of we the really one. have to talk about this? No, game? they're one of the two best teams in the AFC. I did give you the insight. If you didn't hear it earlier, go back to the podcast. I think Antonio Brown may be shut down after today. Uh, indefinitely. And that does that change anything? Not in my eyes. Still one of the best two teams in the AFC. I think the Chiefs and the Patriots are miles ahead of everybody else. Does Miami does Miami think they get all the first round picks if they're this bad? Uh they may. They may, and they may not have any players left. There are players left and right trying to get out of there. Minka Fitzpatrick is the most recent that's trying to to, uh, bounce and be gone out of Miami. Nobody wants to be a part of this tank job. It's pretty obvious what's going on down there. It's horrible. And I told you last week when Baltimore blew them out, doesn't mean anything to me because Miami is the worst team in the AFC. They're not doing anything. In the NFL. Ah, the Giants are going to give them a run for that. Giants are pretty bad. Um I, I thought coming in that the Dolphins would be the worst team in the AFC. So far, they look like it. They've been blown out twice. Things are falling down fast. There's there's locker room turmoil. They're horrible. Now, on the other side of that, Buffalo is a year or two ahead 
of where people thought they might be. They got a crazy win against New York in week one against the Jets in a game they had no business winning. This week they come back and they beat the much maligned New York Giants. So they've got both the New York teams covered. Um, This one, they got out early. Um, Giants kept it interesting to their credit. The Giants are 0-2. I've already said I think the Giants are the worst team in the NFC. I don't think the Bills are going to parlay this into a playoff run, but I think they will be playing meaningful football into November, uh, at least into the end of October, where they they may be the second team out of the AFC East with a shot to get into the playoffs. I That's think, just where I I'm at. They're de- in a bad division. That's going to help them. And their defense is sneaky good. I think it's like a top five defense. I was actually surprised the Giants put up two scores on them. Um, b- but, you know, they're running back Singletary, pulled, did a pull to Hammy. Drew so, Brees out six weeks. Okay, Drew Brees is out six weeks. This is breaking news. You can only get it here, folks. Yeah, you require surgery and will be out at least six weeks. Um, that's bad news. Bad news for a lot of folks, not the least of which is me because he was my fantasy starter. I'm already gotten three trade offers, people trying to send me trash quarterbacks. Um, i got to figure out what I'm going to do. Talk about bad trades. I saw the one you put in my inbox. No, nah, I thought it was a good one. Anyway, um, the Giants, we covered that. The Seahawks. Seahawks get past Pittsburgh in a game that was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And when Ben Roethlisberger went out, I thought, oh, this could get ugly fast. Seattle is solid on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. They're going to continue to get better. That offensive line has a lot of spare parts that are sort of coming together. Chris Carson is a big physical back, which is exactly what Pete Carroll likes. He wants to pound you. He's got to be able to hold on to the football, though. He's got three fumbles already this year. And and he'll be sitting because Rashad Penny is right behind him on the depth chart and is sort of a plug-and-play um, number two there. I like Seattle's running game. I think they've got just enough weapons in the receiving game. Will Disley with a pair of touchdowns from the tight end position. What's that all about? Exactly. Um, I love, I'm high, high, high on DK Metcalf. Um, I didn't think that he would translate coming out of Ole Miss. Watching him the last two weeks, Metcalf is going to be a number one receiver in the NFL if he can stay healthy. That's a lot of muscles to take care of and not pull things as time goes on, and he's got a significant injury history. But if he's healthy, he is going to be a legit number one in plus, the NFL. Plus, he's, the I think, the nephew of one of my all-time favorite football players, Eric Metcalf. Eric Metcalf. Yes, sir, from the University of Texas. All right, the Steelers, 0-2. Uh, we talked enough about them earlier. I think the 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 outlook is bleak for the Steelers, and this may be the beginning of a very mediocre run for Pittsburgh. Who's the backup quarterback over there? Uh, Mason Rudolph oh, from luck. Oklahoma State. Good luck with that. Yes, sir. All right, we'll uh, get through the rest of these over the last 15 minutes. When we come back from the break, you're listening to From the Cheap Seats in Sanford, North Carolina on WFJ 105.5 FM. So why do teenagers play high school sports? My reason why is a sense of purpose. My reason why is to inspire others. One reason student athletes seldom mention is to get an athletic scholarship. They know that only 2% of all high school athletes are awarded a sports scholarship. 
So why do they play? My reason why is friendship. Tell us your reason using the hashtag MyReasonWhy. This message presented by the NFHS and the North Carolina High School Athletic Association. Have you mixed your pain meds, your sleep meds, your allergy meds? Call the Poison Helpline. Has your child eaten a tube of toothpaste, a chip of paint, a wild mushroom? Call the Poison Helpline. Have you been bitten by a spider, a snake, an insect? Call the Poison Helpline. Poisonings can happen at the home, on the job, or in the great outdoors. Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals. Call 1-800-222-1222 anytime, anywhere. 1-800-222-1222. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Joel Klein catches a 7 o'clock train after his evening CPR class at the American Red Cross. Ron Garrity's on the same train. He's had a rough day and doesn't feel like himself. Until he feels the sudden tightness in his chest, Ron never thought he'd actually have a heart attack. Until Joel is administering CPR, he never thought he'd actually save a life. When you train with the Red Cross, you change a life. Starting with your own. Call 1-800-RED-CROSS or visit redcross.org to learn about life-changing opportunities in your area. Tweens have mastered the art of tuning out. Jen, there's a spider in the car. We're turning your room into a home gym. See? Nothing. But some messages need to get through. Like making sure they're buckled up. The whole ride, every time. Do whatever it takes to make your child listen. Jen, I friended your boyfriend. Wait, what? Buckle up, sweetie. Never give up until they buckle up. Learn more at safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Back, final segment from the Cheap Seats. Got a little bit more than 10 minutes left. Just a lot of ground to cover. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are 2-0. And I'm sick to death of hearing about Dak Prescott already. Oh, he's the best. Uh, no, he's not. And you know what? They've beaten two, I well, one bad team and one all right team in the Giants and the Redskins. Wake me up after they've played Philly at least once. That's kind of where I'm at with the Cowboys. I do think the Cowboys are a playoff team. I don't think that the Cowboys are the class of the NFC, which is how people are trying to paint them to be. Um I have a different view. First of all, I think Washington's probably sneakily a lot better than people Who's the quarterback for the Washington Redskins? Gus Farratt. Yeah. Case Keenum, dude. When you rely on Case Keenum at at, at quarterback, no, you're not one of the better teams in the NFL. But, I mean... And they're just waiting for a reason for the Dwayne Haskins era to begin. Um, I'm not convinced Dwayne Haskins is going to be the answer, especially in the short term. I watched him play in the preseason as much as I possibly could. Was not terribly impressed with him. He had a couple highlight plays. Um, he is going to be a project quarterback. But Case Keenum's holding uh, holding that slot for him right now, and they're not going to beat anybody, not with any regularity. Well, they had Philly on the ropes and put up four, three touchdowns or what? Oh, just three touchdowns up on the Cowboys. But anyway, back to Dallas. I'm a little higher on them than you are. Um, you know, Zeke Elliott didn't really run much week one and they still like Dude, they beat the worst team in the nfc in week one but I, I mean and i'm not look Dak prescott's not a bad quarterback don't don't get it twisted Dak prescott is in the very middle he is the most mediocre of all of the starting nfl quarterbacks he is sort of the median in my eyes in week one against the giants he was throwing the ball to wide open receivers 
you you can't have blown coverages. Have a guy throw a lollipop and say, "Oh well, look look at the production. That's lazy." Dak Prescott, when they start playing the meat of their schedule, I'll be a little bit more impressed. So far, he's had good days against the Giants and the Redskins. And guess what? Gets the Dolphins next week. The MVP talk might start next week with what they're going to do to Miami. The talking heads are going, you better pay that man. They're saying, you better pay that better guy. Pay- yeah, whatever. It's not their $37 million. The the Dolphins next week, then they get the Saints without Breeze in week four. So they're going to cruise to 4-0. and Then they get the Packers in a 4-30 game on Fox. That's the game. So if they beat the Packers, are you on board? Do oh you, yeah. You if they're if they come out of if they come out of, of uh the Green Bay game five and zero, oh, then I think it's fair you start talking about, hey, maybe this is your Super Bowl contender. I just think they have what everybody else in the league has wants is an incredible offensive line. And I just think that takes you you know, if their defense even gets a, a little bit better. I think that you're talking about maybe a Super Bowl team here. Okay. Well, we'll, I mean, we'll see. And we're going to find out a lot about them over the course of a couple of weeks. In week five, they get the Packers. Then they get the Eagles in week seven for the first of two times. They've got the Vikings left on the schedule, the Patriots, the Bears, the Rams, the Eagles. Boy, closing. That's a tough close. First of all, you're playing with the upstart. The final four weeks of the season, they've got the – let's go the final five. In the final five weeks of the season, they've got the Patriots at Foxborough. That's a loss. Then the Bills, who are looking pretty good. The Bears, who will have sorted that out and will be playing at Soldier Field in the snow, I'm sure. And then they close Rams, Eagles, Skins. Hmm, that's tough, except um, for the Skins. I, I tell you. That's a murderous road right get, there. Get, be very careful about getting too excited about the, the Cowboys already. Um, my phone is in full-on blow-up mode right now as every service in the country is alerting me that Drew Brees is out for six weeks. Um, but most of you heard it, if you're listening live, heard it here first. So, you're you're big on the Cowboys, you say? I mean, I'm, I like them, I think, better than you are. Like, I mean, I don't really I, – I, I watch them enough to, that I don't have to watch them against Philly to know that they're good. I'll put it that way. All right, fair enough. Fair enough, I suppose. All right, the Ravens, 2-0. and Again, two patsies here. They, they, they put it on Miami. They get the Cardinals at home. The Cardinals bother me because the Cardinals for two weeks in a row haven't shown up to start the game and then late kind of get a feel for what they're doing. And I think what I'm seeing is Kyler Murray processing, oh, this is what this is going to look like today. Um, You asked me during the break, do I think Kyler Murray's got it? I absolutely do. Kyler Murray is one of those guys, he reminds me of Russell Wilson, who is so athletic that he plays the game at a different speed than everybody else. Um I'm interested about the Cardinals as we move forward. With the Ravens, we have heard for a million years, running quarterbacks can't make it in the NFL. You know, the the defense is too fast. The defense is too fast. Dude. Lamar Jackson, 120 yards. Lamar Jackson might be the number one running back in the NFL if he were a tailback. When he goes to the edge, he's outrunning cornerbacks to the edge. This is something these guys have never seen in their whole life. Right. These corners from the time they were in middle school hadn't been able to take an angle and walk down anybody. 
What do you think? Since Mike Vick, maybe we haven't seen. He's the like only this? other one that I can think of because Randall Cunningham was not quick enough to no. get going that fast. Steve Young was more of a you know an athlete running. There have been some good running quarterbacks. Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson are on another level. Now, what Lamar Jackson has that Mike Vick didn't is Mike Vick, when he got going in a straight line, was probably the fastest player in the NFL. He did not have the right button, right button, square combo moves that Lamar Jackson does to make you look foolish. Right. Lamar Jackson running that offense is one of the must-see tickets in the NFL right now. I love what they're doing. I'm not sold that it's going to work against top-shelf competition, but I am interested to see. And all of the stories that you heard last year about Lamar Jackson's not accurate enough, blah, 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 nonsense. A dude can throw the football. He's not going to light you up and stand in the pocket and throw for 400 yards, but he can throw it efficiently enough, and he poses such a threat in the run game. You're watching linebackers that have to sell out. You're watching safeties that have to sneak up, and he's learning. You can see him using his eyes, using the faint steps and things like that. He's able to manipulate those defenders in a way he wasn't before. This is fun to watch. Baltimore's out 2-0. and Cleveland's going to be in chase mode on them. But the rest of that division is lame. Baltimore yeah. is in the catbird seat. I like Baltimore in the AFC Central. I think they're going to go on to do big things. There will be some defenses. They're going to beat them up pretty good. Yeah, that's my biggest thing is Lamar Jackson, how how sustainable. I mean, he's not going to run for 120 yards or score five touchdowns every game. But, I mean, do you still see him as kind of like a two to 300-yard, two-touchdown guy for the rest of the year, Lamar Jackson? Throwing the ball? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's got enough. You, you look at what Hollywood Brown's doing. Mark Andrews is is rising to the occasion as a as a top shelf uh, tight end. They've got weapons out there. Um, I am really excited about what Baltimore's doing. I'm high on the I'm I'm high on the Ravens. Um, I like what I'm seeing. All right, Jaguars zero and two. No Nick Foles. Questionable play call there as they go for two. Gardner Minshew for now is the starter. The whispers are out there that Colin Kaepernick might get some love from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I believe it when I see it. Chiefs, one of the best two teams in the AFC, maybe in all of football. However, they got to stop reading their own press. They beat the Raiders 28-10 this weekend. Mahomes put up four touchdown passes on seven plays over about a 10-minute stretch in that game. Other than that, the Chiefs got outplayed by the Raiders. Right. Um, they got to be careful because these, this team is not infallible. That defense is not great. Um, they're sketchy with the running with the running game. You know, they don't have Tyreek Hill. Yeah, they've got more playmakers that they can plug in. Uh, be careful, Chiefs, because you're going to have to show up for more than seven plays a lot of different weeks. Uh, the Broncos are 0-2. They're not going to get any better. The Joe Flacco, Flacco experiment out there is an abject failure. It's a disaster. And I don't know that they have enough talent around him. On paper, you're like, oh, these guys could be, but they don't have anybody that already has been. Uh, I think the Broncos think, got real problems. I think that box score is a typical Bears game all year long. Ah, uh, man. The Bears putting up 16 points. The offense has struggled two weeks in a row. I think they'll get it untracked. I like Trubisky. I like some of the weapons they've got. I think they're trying to figure out their identity right now. The Rams at 2-0 and get past the Saints in a big way with Breeze on the bench. Uh, good for everybody in the country that Breeze went out with the injury. Um, injury aside, because if not, the story of that game would have included the 
touchdown coming off the board against the against the Saints, and that was the last thing in the world we needed. I think we actually made it through all the 0-2 and 2-0 teams. I'm so proud, doggone proud of us. With that, I bid you adieu. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Find the podcast from the Cheap Seats with Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we are out. Peace. Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.